Hey, just want to reintroduce ourselves. My name's Carl. I'm Glenn. And we just want to uh, thank you for joining us and continuing the conversation. And so this week, we are going to be continuing the conversation around the idea of apostle. So we're in a series right now called Apest, talking about the five gifts from Ephesians chapter four. And so, yeah, we just want to jump in and talk about apostle. So Glenn, why don't you give us like a 30 second rundown about what apostle is? So if you weren't able to be with us this last weekend where we unpack the notion of apostle, first we want to understand it within some of the types and modes that we come into community for the way that we activate and bring life into it. The apostle is that person who can't sit still. They always want to get on to that next point, that next hobby, that next project, because what they see is the endless potential of the not yet built. Someone that if we want to look around us to say, who could we look up? What video could we watch? If you had the Gary V experience, as Carl told me, look up any video on YouTube of Gary V, watch one of them, and you'll be the most productive person for that day, at least the next hour. But it's, it's that person who animates, it motivates, they're catalytic, because what they see is the not yet, and they start taking steps towards it. Within the APEST, your teacher keeps you historically minded, your evangelist keeps people coming in, but the apostle's place within the community is to keep us moving forward because they animate and drive so that we can actually build the world we dream about instead of being content with what we have, saying, well, one day it could be. So as we step into this time, the questions we're going to reflect is going to become, will be coming from that vantage point to where, say, the apostle isn't just a historical figure like Paul that you would say the apostle Paul or the Apostle Luke, or any of the ones who followed Jesus at that time, but actually say it's a, it's a mode and way to stay within the community that pushes the conversation, and not just the conversation, but the active steps for building forward in the community. So with that, we're going to step into that first question. And so we're going to begin with our questions that are segmented into the head, heart, and the hands. So entering into some of what are the mental steps we take, what's some of the passionate experience, and how do we make this real in our life? So for our head question, what benefits or drawbacks could come from activating apostles within FOS? Yeah, I think let's, let's, let's actually like divide that question up a little bit. Let's talk benefits, then let's talk, talk drawbacks, and then come back to benefits because mm-hmm. we have to have like a compliment sandwich, you know what I mean? There you go. Um, so yeah, Glenn, why don't you answer that, man? Like, uh, what are the benefits you think come from activating apostles within FOS? The benefit is that apostles will create a perforated edge. Um, They keep us moving out so that we don't just start sitting and become static. They keep us uncomfortable. Um, At at times, we can think that the rhythms we've developed just are self-perpetuating, but they always ask what that next step is. And there's a vibrancy, a, a passion to that. It's kind of like when you hear business people talk about the S-curve. They're the person that pushes to the next curve, that next movement, so that you reanimate the community. That's a good way of talking about it. Um, yeah, I, I would say for me, one of the benefits that I see from activating apostles within FOS is actually that notion that they're going to push us to that next, that next space. Um, they're going to see the, the potential and the possibilities of all the things that we actually haven't seen yet. And so for me personally, like, like, like I would say I resonate with the, with the apostle um, as, as, as like the typology for the gift and things like that. But I would also say I'm, I'm 
I'm stoked when I'm able to actually have other people around me who are also pushing in that way. Because let's be honest, like apostles have, I would say, an idea every 30 seconds. But reality is only one in every hundred ideas is something worth pursuing. But by having a whole bunch in a conversation, you just have that energy that starts to click off. And you begin to actually push the conversation forward in ways that not just one could, like one person on their own could do, but as the whole community could do, right? So I think the benefit of having apostles in the community is just how they push that conversation forward. And they don't let you settle. They don't let you sit down because they do have an idea and they want to tell you about it. And that also means like what Carl just alluded to is the benefit of not having just one person who would understand themselves this way, but multiple, is it helps weed out the poor ideas because you only have one person coming up with ideas. They can't always judge themselves because it's all their idea. Um, what's an actionable step and what was, okay, let's put a pin in that. Maybe in three years, that's okay. Because for most apostles I've known, time's a little bit fluid for them. They're not sure what is a two-year plan and what's a two-day plan. Multiple have that ability to say option three instead of option two or option five instead of option one will give us that actionable step that the community can start um, gathering around. That's a good point. But I, I would say that that, that kind of leads us into like the drawbacks as well, right? Like mm -hmm. what you're saying there is that um, time is fluid for a lot of people that kind of would identify or resonate with the idea of being an apostle. Um, is it, there's a million ideas and a million things we could get done. And I know, I, I know for me, I know I resonated with that. Like, like the vision for folks, for me, it's this idea that it's this grand thing. It's this big thing. And I, and everybody at the table is like, yeah, we want to do that. But for them, it's like, cool, let's focus on the thing in front of us. For me, I have a hard time saying what's the thing in front of me. And I always want to do the thing that's like, you know, in their minds, it's like maybe two or three years down the road. I'm like, shouldn't we be working on, on that already? That's the thing that's interesting me right now. But it's not interesting everybody else because it's actually not the important thing in that moment, mm -hmm. right? And so I would say like like the drawbacks of it is that you constantly have to rein apostles in. Like it's kind of yeah. like, okay, hey, cool. That was great, buddy. But let's come back to the table. We're talking about this right now. Oh, yeah. Um, trying to work. And the drawbacks usually come in the immature state because if you're going through the book Church as Movement with us, you'll notice that they talk about the mature and the immature apostle. The mature apostle is life-giving, catalytic, and they, they activate things that the community needs to grow. Yeah, the dream awakener. The dream awakener, as they say in it. Like, the immature apostle leaves the meeting as soon as the idea comes up with everything still on the table. They're like, oh, you guys are still talking about it. I'm going to go do it. And that's the drawback of them is, while you're training, while you're helping an apostle to develop, you have to be able to be patient to walk with them on how do we use wisdom to say what are the next steps? Because um, out of all the giftings, I'd say the apostle usually has the least amount of wisdom for next step because they're excited about the next five. Yeah, and I would add to that as well. Like not always like they leave the table because they're onto the next thing or they on, they're on, they want to build it. It's like, well, you guys aren't moving fast enough. I'm bored. I'm going to start thinking about something else now, right? And so there's this also this ability to think of a million ideas and never do anything at all, actually, right? Because I always have a new idea, but I actually never have any action, right? Like I think that's something that happens with apostles as well. That's a drawback. And so, as you said, when we're yeah. trying to equip and empower them, that has to come to the table. We have to keep that in mind and say, okay, how do we actually encourage them to say, what is the next step? Or as a community, how do we come up with next steps that keep them engaged? Fair, fair enough. So it would almost be saying, 
having a conversation with someone with a short attention span, but always new ideas, is the maturing aspect is when you get, get them to focus on two to three of their ideas and say, how does this come into reality? Mm-hmm. To where in the maturing, that's a growth that they go towards when in the beginning, each idea has a 30 second shelf life that already expired because they had five more. Yeah. And so that's the tension you get to wrestle with when you create room in the community for the apostle. Just be ready. They're going to upset a lot of established systems. But this is, holds the potential if you have the patience to help them grow into a life-giving place at the table that you'll have new life that you couldn't see coming. Yeah, that's good. Awesome, man. Well, why don't we jump into the next question, the heart question. Um, and so that question is this. Do you see yourself in the gift of apostle if yes, in what ways and what resonates with you about that gift? Um, in, in some of this, uh, they call it a typology for whether you identify with the prophet, apostle, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher. Um, and they say you, you have a first ranking, like you're definitely um, this person. So for myself, I would see myself first and foremost as a teacher. Well, um, let me step in a little bit right yeah, there. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so just to use the language from the church's movement book, they mm-hmm. would say that you have base, like you would have a base gift, and that would be like your primary gift, and then you would have a secondary base gift. And then the other ones, like you can function in those things. Everybody can, mm-hmm. um, but they're not necessarily where your base gifting would be. That would mm-hmm. be the way the book would talk about it. So, yeah. so I'd say um, I would resonate with the apostle as a secondary base gift. It's never my primary stance, not the first one I operate in. I like information and gathering data, but I've never been able to sit in the system without that gathering information causing immediate tension for the system. Because in my head, the only point of having a system is that you can break it. And once you break it, you can put it back together. And it's that act of taking apart and putting back together, creating room, creating avenues for other people to join that excites me. That's good, man. Um, like for me, I would say I totally resonate uh, with the apostle. I would say it, like using the base gift idea, it would be my primary base gift. And like throughout my entire life, I've, I've just always resonated with starting new things, doing new things, whether it's businesses or ministries or whatever it's been. Um, but I also resonate with the immature side of that or the drawback side of it of start like having a million ideas and never actually starting anything as well. Right. Like that's, that's the tension I think apostles have to live with. Right. Um, and I don't say this in a, in a, in a pejorative or negative way. Um, but like apostles, I think, and ADHD probably go hand in hand, right? Like, cause I'm, I'm ADHD. Um, and most people I know that kind of function in that way are that way as well. And, but, the, but I don't see it as a drawback. I actually see like kind of super, like a superpower because I can actually think and process and do multiple things at the same time where other folks, like you have that monofocus. Um, and I'm like, dude, I'm multifocused. <laughs> uh, and- yeah. <laughs> and see, being ADHD, I completely lost the point of what I was trying to say. And what I was trying to say is that I resonate with the apostle part and I resonate with it primarily from the notion of actually wanting to empower and equip other people to actually step into their things. And so when they use the language of dream awakener, mm-hmm. for me, it was just like, yeah, I, I see myself right in the mix of that. And this would be a good point for whoever is listening to have a reflective moment. Um, a way to identify these traits in your life is actually going over um, your own narrative, how you remember events. Not all of us can name our strengths, but if you can think, where do you usually get into conflict? 
Um, for the apostle, that conflict comes in where you can resonate it with yourself, like I said with me. As I learn more about a system, I start asking, why does the system have to operate this way? Now, the fact that my drive is usually collecting the data first and that I like sharing that um, puts me primarily in a teaching position, but those conflicts of structure of saying, can we do this better, generally has shown me and um, within conversation with other people, with Carl and other people I've worked with in ministry, have said, well, no, you, you have a stance of trying to click the dial forward of taking apart, but not for the purpose of taking apart, but to put it back together in a way that's more inclusive. I'd ask for yourself, look over your life where you come into conflict with systems and structure. Is it because you see a way that you would see is more life-giving? Do you see possibilities that may be visible, but other people can't see yet? If so, then this might be one of the primary ways that you're invited into the kingdom of God and into the church body itself, not as someone who should see themselves as other outside or never belonging, but a needed part of the conversation to be able to push us forward because your voice is the one that keeps us dynamic as opposed to static. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with that, I'm going to actually add in the show notes, um, I'm going to put a link towards um, like the immature apostle versus like apostle, like just a little bit definition type things that will maybe help you to kind of identify or not identify in this type. And so just in case you um, took a moment to pause and say, does this sound like me? Am I always about that next step? We want to go into the hands question, which is more the practical. What practices could allow us to equip, empower, and facilitate apostles in our community? So Carl, as the self-named superpower of ADHD and apostleship, um, what enables you to truly function within the community? That's a great question, man. Um, and it's one of those ones that I've, I've actually been thinking about a lot since we had this conversation on Sunday. Man, it, it, and it's, it's not such an easy question to answer for me, at least, because I, I, I always want to, um, it's not how to put it. I, I tend to come from a place where maybe this is the way that I felt maybe blocked before or something like that, or maybe not supported. And that's not necessarily the best way to kind of look at it, like, like looking at it from a negative perspective, what, right? What if we ask... Um, for the points, because uh, you and I have done ministry together for years, so I've got to see some of these spots. But what acts within the system uh, empowered you to be able to make positive change? I think when, when people gave me an opportunity to actually begin to create, like like they gave me bound, they gave me boundaries and said, "Here's your sandbox," um, mm -hmm. and then said, "But you got free reign to do with whatever you want in the mix of that." And so, like, when I first started in ministry, um, I remember one of the first things that somebody gave me permission to do was we started a, a hip-hop ministry, right? And it was that idea of saying, we believe that you can start something, we act, we, so we want to empower you to start something, and we're not going to tell you what it is, um, but just know that here's some kids who love hip-hop, um, can you do something with them? And that turned into basically, we like, for five years when we were in Hawaii, we basically started a recording ministry where we, we recorded all sorts of music. We brought kids in from different neighborhoods. Um, some of them, you know, doing songs like Rep Your City and that kind of stuff. Um, and other people singing worship songs, but brought them all together into the same thing and created this really cool, unique, creative collective of artists. But it came out of that notion of somebody saying, we're going to empower you to create something, do whatever you want in the mix of that. Here's some boundaries and let's see what happens. Right. Like, so for me, yeah. that was like the most empowering thing that could have happened. So if, if I'm hearing it correctly, just especially, um, if you're resonating with the 
the apostle, but you might be towards the immature side. The biggest gift the group gave was limited freedom. As he said... Boundaries. <laughs> yes. Um, here's your sandbox, but there was a focus. You, you got to have effect here, but if you notice, I was a part of a group, not the entirety of the ministry, that the Carl, as an immature apostle at that time, got a, a small avenue of freedom that within this very specific area um, will walk with you. But the, the limits, the boundaries, actually gave him the freedom of development that just in case you're a catalytic person, it's like, no, if people just let me off the leash, if I just get to do whatever I want, it'll be okay. Like what empowered him was actually limiting him and focusing him. You can dream, yes, but dream over here and how can this be better? Um, I'd say for if you're involved in a system already, you're, you're a part of those who are making decisions for a group. The equipping aspect was one, being able to look to see the apostle in your midst, not just name it, but carve out space because they saw it they named it and said, I see something in you that can build, that can create. Now I'm going to give you some space to affect. That was a little bit more hands-off if I was hearing it right. Yeah, for sure. It was like, hey, we're going to check in and make sure you're still alive next week. Yeah, so if you notice, it's not like some people need more direct supervision. You need to kind of say, here's three points. I'm checking on you next week to make sure A, B, and C are done. And then we're going to get on to the next three points. That might not be the most helpful structure for empowering the person who is more of the apostolic mindset, more of the Catholic thinker. What they did was say, here's space. And they came back in and say, how is it working? What can we do to help? So less checklist, more how, how is your artistic project going? Can we step in to, to add strength? Yeah, and I think that's a great way to actually like pull out those like teachable moments out of mm -hmm. that. Because I, I like, like it automatically makes me think and juxtapose it to stories where I would say I wasn't empowered. I was actually disempowered when it usually came from those more checklist-minded kind of mm -hmm. systems where it's like, well, here, here's our expectations. As long as you can check the boxes, you're good to go. And I, and I know that in those kind of systems, like I'm also a super competitive person, so I'll check all those boxes off. But it actually didn't empower, uh, it didn't empower me personally, at least to actually build anything of worth or anything of note. It was just something that was like, cool, you had something going, that's great. You checked off boxes, awesome. Um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't something I was excited about. And if I'm not excited about it, I can't expect anybody else to be excited about it, right? So I would say that like definitely having that little bit, it's almost like that free range idea, right? Because free range, like you're still within the range, but you can roam around it. Yeah, so, so I'd like to say, um, if you're a leader listening to this right now, um, realize if you don't identify with the um, catalyst, let's get something going person. If, if you say you, you came, like if this is a part of a church organization, like I value the sacred community. So I value stability. I value rhythms that we can meet together around a table. You, you might have to think of a different way to equip than what you need to be equipped. Because for, for this mind to create space to empower is actually to remove obstructions while still setting clear boundaries for where you can affect. To equip in this one isn't step-by-step -step detailed instructions of, I want you to do these. It's more of a collaborative effect. Like you said, doing hip hop, he didn't lord over the kids. He invited those who had a shared passion and said, what could we create together? 
Because going towards the apostolic mindset, it's more about a co-creation, a co-commissioning, than it is very distinct, clear hierarchies. So if you approach it from a relational stance of what can we build together, and um, can you see where you have some weak spots in what you're creating, you might get a more positive equipping. It just takes a little bit longer. Then you've said, well, I see that you may be weak in your understanding of historical reconstruction. Here is a book. Um, where if you have somebody who's a little bit more geared towards that kind of structured analysis, it's like, oh yeah, I saw the historical development. We're good. I can go forward. The creative, the catalyst, isn't always worried about how we got here. They're worried about where we're going. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you are worried more about how we got here and um, that you love the book first versus the action points after mm -hmm. it, you probably are, are more like the teacher mindset. And that's all, that's all good because teachers, I think, can empower um, apostles. Basically what Glenn just did right now where he actually took, here's a story. Let me break down some points from your story. Here's some actionable items that everybody can walk away with that would actually help to empower other apostles across the board. So teachers are awesome in those moments because they actually have insight where others don't. And that, so just to even see how things kind of interplay and interwork, there's there's like the, the different gifts coming together, um, create a way more open and fluid and dynamic community um, and even a more rhythmic community as well. I would say when they all come together, because if it was just apostles running all the time, um, it's like the saying, like it's like herding cats. Uh, right, but teachers and, and and other people within the community can actually help rein that in in ways that are helpful and useful, and can actually empower and release others into ministry and into the calling that mm -hmm. God has given them. So that's awesome. Thanks. So with that, man, um, that's. I don't know if you have any other thoughts at all you want to close with. Um, that was the last question we had. Yeah, I'd say as as you're walking along um, this journey with us, as you're entering into the dialogue, one leave a comment on the page, ask us anything, we'll try to respond. Um, two, we do meet on Sunday evenings. Uh, we, we do represent a couple people trying to say what could a more communal-based, network-based, um, following the book church's movement, a five-fold, let's get every voice at the table as part of the building the church. And we'd, we'd love to have, because we do this dialogue in person as well. When, when we teach a little bit on it, we get to sit with each other and as, as life-giving, at least um, for us, as it's been to be able to have this conversation recorded, as well as we listen to a lot of different voices in podcasts, we found that the face-to-face -face times where you get to see that this is a human-to-human -human moment trying to say, what is this beautiful future, is best done in person. Absolutely. So if you live in Surrey, uh, definitely join us on Sunday evenings, man. We meet at 5 p.m., on Sundays, and uh, if you go to fos.church, fos.church, all the information is right there. And we'd love to have you be part of our community or even just observe our community at some point. That'd be fun too. We thank you for joining us here, and we look forward to having you at the next conversation. Peace. <laughs>